Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another Jellybean podcast. My name is Matthew McPartland. When I started out this career, I had three things I thought I might want to do while I was trying to figure out where I was going to go. They were anesthetics, emergency medicine, and radiology. And I didn't pick radiology, and it's been a bit of a regret of mine ever since because I really did enjoy it. But thankfully, there's been resources out there that have allowed me to indulge myself in what life might have been like as a radiologist, or at least a diagnostic radiologist. One of those resources has been around since 2005. It's called Radiopedia, and it kind of predates the whole FOMED organization as a, as a formal entity, but it really acts to what FOMED is all about in that it's resources that are up there free to access, freely contributed, and a lot of work that's generated and contributed by a lot of well-meaning individuals. Now, as a result of a tweet that I saw on Twitter recently, I got in contact with the person who is the editor-in-chief of Radiopedia, Frank Gaylard. And Frank's on the other end of the telephone. How are you, Frank? I'm good, Matt. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm not too bad at all. I'm sitting here in Wollongong. Um, I'm in the middle of a set of clinical days, so hopefully we won't get interrupted in the middle of this with a phone call. Uh, But otherwise, having a good evening. Where are you based, Frank? Uh, I'm in Melbourne, and uh, I'm sitting with a single malt next to me, and my two kids are hopefully asleep, although there's a reasonable chance that they'll wander out. <laughs> well, they're welcome to come and have a chat if they do wake up. <laughs> so, Frank, I wonder, just for the benefit of the people listening, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you work, and before we get into Radiopedia itself, the kind of things that occupy your day? So I'm a diagnostic neuroradiologist at uh, the Royal Melbourne Hospital here in Melbourne, uh, which is actually where I did my training as a radiology registrar. In fact, that's where I was a clinical medical student and a neurosurgery registrar before doing uh, radiology. And I work three days a week at Royal Melbourne and uh, I work the rest of my time on Radiopedia, which uh, is now big enough to need me that much, which is... uh, really very fortunate to be able to split up my week that way. That's fantastic. It must be um, must be very satisfying. I think, again, I saw, uh, I think it was on Twitter, where Radiopedia is now looking at having close to 10,000 references or maybe 25,000 cases. Have I got those numbers right? Yeah, that's about right. So we're, we're approaching 10,000 reference articles and 25,000 uh, reference cases contributed by people. So um, these, these are fairly meaningless numbers, but it's always nice to reach a nice round number. It does suggest that there's a fair body of work um, and a fair amount of effort that's gone into building Radiopedia into what it is today. Can I ask you, how did Radiopedia get started? What was the what was the catalyst to saying, we need to do this, we need to set this up, and this is how we need to run it? <laughs> I, I wish it was a, uh, a moment of um, altruistic vim and vigor where i decided that i would create the the largest radiology reference available uh, in fact it was just procrastination it started when i was studying for my fellowship exams for my second part exams uh, about four months out from the exams which i think for me is always um, a good procrastination period where i try and find everything except for study and it was really born out of a desire to have somewhere to put a few notes uh, have an excuse not to study for a while while I taught myself a bit of Linux and uh, a place to put some cases that I was collecting. And it didn't really extend much beyond that. Other than back in 2005, Wikipedia was already well known, but it wasn't as accepted um, 
by the general population as it is now. Um, back then, it was still, you know, debated as to whether you could trust Wikipedia at all, and there was a lot of talk about um, how quickly errors could be incorporated or removed and what the error rate was compared to traditional media. And before I started Radiopedia, I started contributing to Wikipedia, but very quickly I found that the voice or the, the pitch at which Wikipedia articles are, uh, are pitched is not the right one for radiology registrars or for trainees of other levels. Um, it's too, and should be, it's because it's a general encyclopedia. It's really aimed at a, a broader category, which means you don't get enough detail of the things you, you want and you get too much detail of uh, things you don't necessarily want in a language that's not necessarily as concise as you need it to be. So they were sort of the reasons why it started. Um, but it just um, it sort of coughed up blood for a couple of years, not doing very much as I finished my exams and started uh, working on it a little bit more and for the first I guess 12 to 18 months it really was just a private project that um, I was occupying myself with and only later as a few other people started getting intro involved and interested did it become something that I thought we could build and that there was a hunger for that kind of resource. And was there a particular event or or occurrence that made you think this has actually got traction this is worth being more than simply taking my notes and putting them online for other people to look at and it's time to get other people involved so back at that time there was a, a number of very similar uh, i use the word startup but that's probably not accurate very similar projects of people just like me who set up open source based content management systems uh, for radiology references and I think the thing that there's never been an epiphany, but it's been a gradual uh, process where we're just gathering momentum and gathering people that are interested. And I think for me, the moment that it, it became something where it wasn't just a project, a hobby, well, it was still a hobby, but uh, it wasn't uh, just a, a procrastination tool was when the next person started contributing significant amount of time. And there's a great pleasure in seeing someone else feel the same way about things as you do and share in a common kind of worldview or, or desire to build something. And the result is that you motivate each other uh, to do that. And um, th that wasn't a, a specific individual, um, although there were just a number of people that came and thought it was a good idea. And, and that sort of motivated me to keep going. I think Jeremy Jones, who's one of our um, senior editors, or in fact, one of our deputy editor-in-chief, who's based in uh, Edinburgh in the UK, who's now a paediatric subspecialty radiologist, was one of those first people, and he's extremely involved, and we've become friends, and he came over to Melbourne to do a fellowship, and... Uh, it's been fantastic. So people like that are really the reason why Radiopedia took off is that there were others rather than myself. And it's quite heartening to hear about that sort of slow move up to critical mass because I think particularly with the rise of FOMED and after the first couple of blogs got going, we saw a bit of an explosion in 
in uh, medical blog sites and critical care blog sites and various niche specialty blog sites. And I suppose in the generation, in the era that we live in, you almost expect kind of overnight success that if you're saying something and it's online, it has to be successful. And if you're not getting massive page counts or retweets, then something's not right. But I suppose looking back at how Radiopedia took off and the fact that you're saying that, you know, it took a couple of years for it really to to arrive at critical mass. Would you have anything that you could turn around to people who are looking at starting up something along the lines of a Radiopedia or a FOMED resource and have a bit of advice for them about how they get started up and what to expect? So I think the first thing is that we started up at a time when there wasn't an established resource like it. There were a whole bunch of projects starting up at the same time with similar sort of scope and scale, but the the region wasn't really crowded with established big players. And I, and I think just as if you were trying to set out to write a general approach encyclopedia to everything just like Wikipedia, you'd be mad to do that now because Wikipedia exists. So you really do need to fill a void that... Uh, that isn't filled. So I guess with FOMED, it's not surprising that the first few exploded and went really quickly because there was nothing there. And I think now it's probably much harder unless you find an angle that's uh, slightly different. But more importantly than that, and I think it it strikes to the heart of how um, I run Radiopedia and how we all, all the contributors and editors run it, we don't actually worry too much about our success or click-through rates or page views. In fact, we probably don't worry enough about our financial viability um, either. What we worry about is just doing something that we love doing and doing it as well as we can and assuming, perhaps optimistically, that if you do that for long enough, eventually some other people will find it useful. And so if we are starting up again, the last thing I would want to start up is with the idea of making a successful website. I'd start off with the idea of making a website that I found interesting and let time and other people decide the rest because I think it is really hard to predict and if it was as easy as just making it, then there'd be uh, many more successful and many fewer websites that sort of just fizzle out. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Over the time since 2005 up until now, how have you seen Radiopedia evolve and adapt to, to changes in practice and changes in technology? So the, the biggest change that I think we're seeing at the moment is that the, the core group of contributors who have been with the site, I guess now for five plus years, have and most of them started off as registrars have now become junior consultants and the new wave of contributors are still fairly junior but they they're slowly getting older as well and we're engaging more with established organizations whether they are conferences or whether they are well-known radiologists who are uh, in their you know mid to late career um, or organizations at a national level. I think that's really a, a very big change for Radiopedia in terms of 
how we interact with the radiology community. It's no longer just a um, something run by registrars or residents, um, but it is seen as a reputable resource. In terms of how we adapt to radiology changes itself, I think it's very organic. We, we don't actually sit down uh, very much and say we need to update this area. We, we do do that periodically for certain areas, but mostly it's just driven by people who read articles and decide to update those particular parts of the website. And so we naturally reflect what's being published and, and what's going on in the radiology literature and the radiology world. And you appear from looking at the website to have quite a large body of editors and a large body of, I can't remember the term that you use for them, but essentially advisors, um, subspecialty mm. advisors. Do they act independently? Is there a coordination? How do you keep tabs on all of those people? <laughs> so it's very much a free-for-all, okay. uh, largely. So very briefly, the, the structure of the site is that anyone who has a login can upload cases that are theirs so they remain part of their case teaching library but they're shared with the community um, and anyone can edit articles and articles are communal so there's no ownership to them and we seek to have a single canonical article for each topic which is as good as it can be which then all the cases can reference every edit that's made whether it's on a case or an article then gets funneled through a moderation process um, which is overseen by our editors, of which uh, we have about 50, depending on of various levels uh, of seniority and uh, of seniority both within radiology and within the website. So some of our senior editors are quite junior in radiology terms, but have been very active with Radiopedia for, for years. And so every edit is moderated for stylistic consistency because with a site like ours it's really essential that everything feels like it's of a similar uh, voice and similar style um, for content and uh, to ensure that we're not breaching patient confidentiality or copyright etc so th that's really something that the editors take care of um, and review the edits made by I think we have about 60,000 registered users of which a minority but still hundreds probably thousands of them do regularly contribute something and uh, the expert advisors are not really involved on the day-to-day -day, uh, weeding of the site they're there for when a case or an edit crops up that one of our editors feels is outside of their level of expertise or that they can't um, readily ascertain the veracity of it or, or whether it's contentious and so we have a group of well-respected senior uh, radiologists that we can uh, call on to to try and help with these particular difficult cases. And given where Radiopedia has come from and how it's evolved over time, are you able to peer a little bit into the future and and project somewhat as to how Radiopedia, what directions it might go in in the in the coming years, or what things it might take on? So we're, we're very much in the middle of um, one of those new directions. And that's, at the moment, Radiopedia is very much a passive reference uh, collection of articles and cases, which you can use the cases to self-test yourself as well, particularly for a radiology registrar. It's sort of designed to make it feel like a uh, tutorial 
but we don't really teach very much and we're working at this very moment on developing multiple choice questions that will be integrated into uh, articles as well as standalone and the idea of that being that eventually what we can do is really take a, a medical student in a country that has no radiology teaching and mentor them through a set of curricula and uh, reference articles and playlists of specific cases backed up with um, spaced repetition learning multiple choice questions all the way through to subspecialty training and be able to identify where you stand amongst your peer group so for example uh, the idea being that you'll be able to six months out of an exam say well i've done 500 multiple choice questions how am i going compared to the last five years worth of people from the same country at the same level who have done these questions before and try and really uh, allow people to pace themselves and learn at their own pace separate from how wealthy or how well they're being taught at their own institution which unfortunately for much of the world um, is very variable that's fantastic that's um you know, for a project that started as procrastination, it's really turned into a, a highly credible and useful resource. So uh, if that's what procrastin leads to, bring it on. <laughs> Can I ask you on a more personal level, again, looking back over the years that Radiopedia has been available and been active and, and again, thinking about the future, on a personal level, what do you think you've learned out of being involved in Radiopedia and are there any particular pleasures or high points that you've that you've gotten from it? So generally the the biggest pleasure is that in in radiology and, and in fact in, in a lot of clinical medicine there's very little uh, left over when you finish a day or a month or a year. As a diagnostic radiologist I can look back at my year and look back at you know, 5,000 or 6,000 MRI reports or whatever it is that I do each year. But that's pretty intangible. You can't point to it. You can't hold it. You can't see the results of your effort. You turn up, you report a bunch of studies, you go home, and the next day there's another bunch of studies. It's a bit like that I Love Lucy clip in the chocolate factory where they keep coming on the conveyor belt. And for me, I really needed something to feel that I was um, contributing to in a in a way that there was residue from each hour that I spent on it. And so over the course of the whole 10 years, that's been a constant feeling that every hour I put into Radiopedia, uh, whether directly or indirectly, is something that's reflected in, in what it is now. In terms of specific pleasures, that changes every year or every few years, I guess, as the scale of the site gets different. So in the first year, it was learning Linux and learning to build a server from spare bits and pieces that I had lying about and just learning a bit of programming that was relevant and then writing some articles. And then the next year was, you know, dealing with a little bit of cash and a few designers to try and get up something that was a little bit more bespoke. And now, although I still do contribute content sporadically, it's much more about community management of our editorial team and making sure that we're all still facing and heading in the same direction. And then all this boring background CEO admin stuff 
Um, yeah. And at each level, it's it's a new challenge and a new thing to learn. And in fact, at the moment, I think actually I'm sort of transitioning where many of my very senior editors are doing a fantastic job of maintaining the community and that I don't need to be the person doing that as much. And so hopefully uh, Radiopedia will become this completely self-sustaining creature that's um, separate from me entirely. Um, and that will be, I guess, the best achievement to see something that can outgrow and outlast my interest. Frank, that's um, that's really inspiring. And I have to say, it's been an absolute pleasure sitting here listening to you talk about how Radiopedia has evolved and how it's come on. And I think there's a lot of a lot of learning points in what you've said that people can take out of that regardless of what their interests are, whether it's radiology or something completely different. So thank you very much for taking the time to, to talk and to record this podcast. And no doubt we'll talk again. Thank you very much, Matt. Great pleasure.